Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where us content creators get to talk about the games that we've been playing recently. And on this episode are The Cardboard Kid, Dice and Dragons, The Meeple Dungeon, The Rat Hole, The Tabletop Bellhop, and Cardboard Conjecture. And as always, please remember to take some time to check out the show notes for the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And sit back and enjoy. I'm the Cardboard Kid, and I'm back, not just here on What You've Been Playing Wednesday, but on my YouTube channel, where I have over 300 reviews, plus dozens of interviews and features. I do a mix of all-ages games, such as Yummy Yummy Monster Tummy, which went up this past Friday, to heavy games like Trismegistus, The Ultimate Formula. Speaking of Yummy Yummy Monster Tummy, I think it's a great way for young kids to learn how to work with others, and it teaches them colors, perhaps without them even realizing that they're learning. It's also very cute. Super Skill Pinball Ramp It Up takes everything I loved about the original box and expands it on four new tables. I enjoyed this expandolin even more than the original, which I still love, of course, although I still think my all-time favorite table is... Hmm, you know, it's really hard to pick my single favorite table. I kind of flip, see what I did there, between a few. We finally tried out our Vorpal word by playing Cold Water Crown with our friend. My parents have played it a handful of times, but I'd always come with reasons not to because the theme wasn't super interesting to me. Well, I'm glad I played it, and not just because I won. The action selection mechanism is super interesting, and there are numerous set collection bonuses to go for, but you don't have the time or circumstances to get everything. If you watch all of my reviews, you know how much I love crime mysteries, Detective Saving Angels, the Sherlock Holmes graphic novel adventures, and my favorite, Chronicles of Crime. Well, the designer of an amazing noir expansion has a new series out, Crime Zoom. It's a crime-solving mystery in a deck of cards, but you don't destroy components like in many other escape room in a box games. I really enjoyed my time with these first two and can't wait to check out the others in the series. I've played K2, the mountain climbing race game, a handful of times, and I even reviewed it in February of 2019. But I hadn't played the other in the series, Mount Everest. It's very similar, but with a loadout system where you decide what to bring up the mountain with you. Oxygen tanks, tents, or tourists. You scored depending on how high you guided those tourists, but try not to let them die, okay? Let's see, what else did I play? Oh, the new Netrunner starter bundle from Project Nisei. It's so good. My review for that is going live soon. We also finally played Adventure Mart, which we won in a giveaway last year, I think. It's more strategic than I thought it'd be, even though Mum Mr. Rollout added even more strategy. Don't get me wrong, it's not like a Vital Lacerda game, but there's more than enough to keep parents engaged if playing with gamers ain't enough. 
That's about all for now. If you want to see photos and updates on what I'm playing, follow me on Twitter at Cardboard underscore Kit. For video reviews, check out my YouTube channel, The Cardboard Kit. Please stay safe. Happy gaming! What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Dyson Dragons, or on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. And what is it today, Julie? It's What You've Been Playing Wednesdays! So what have we been playing? We've been playing Goonies. Yes, Goonies Coded Chronicles Escape with One-Eyed Willie's Rich Stuff. Now, this is published by The Op Games and is a review copy, so thanks to them for sending it to us. And it is designed by Jay Cormier and Sen Fung Lim. Now, this is a an escape room style game. So, Julie and I found out something about our love of escape room games. We're not the biggest fan of escape room style games. <laughs> I was going to say our love or probably lack thereof. I don't. Th- you know what I think the biggest problem for us is we're not patient enough to want to sit and figure out to like to problem solve it. I think if we had other people with us who maybe enjoyed it a little bit more, we might have gotten into it a little bit more. But both you and I are like, what's the solution? Yes. And that being said, I really do enjoy the fact that they included the hints to really help you get through it. That was definitely a big improvement compared to how they handled stuff in Scooby-Doo. And the other thing I want to comment why I don't think we enjoyed this as much is actually the, the licensing and the property because this game is very much Goonies the movie turned into a giant long escape room. Okay, so I'm going to stop you there. It's not the IP because Jason loves the movie. And I think that's what um, played against this game um, is the fact that, okay, now for those who don't know, Jason remembers a lot of details. So he remembers the movie pretty much by heart. And the game is very, very closely tied to the movie. So I've watched the movie maybe twice. Twice. And I was gonna say maybe twice. I think one time I missed half of it because I slept through it. Um, she slept through Goonies, guys. That's almost a reason. Okay, to get a I divorce. was pregnant. I was pregnant. Almost reason to get divorced. So you know. Um, <laughs> so Jason, as we were playing, was remembering was remembering all the details of the movie, and and it's very 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 closely tied. So. More than closely tied. They're they're ripping entire dialogue and sections. You're reading Mikey's book and it's exactly the scene from the movie like put into the game. So some people may love that. It irritated you a little bit because you said you knew exactly what was being said and your eyes kind of glazed over. And I think that's part of the issue we had because we like things fast pace and we like things to move and in this case there was a lot of cool things that a lot of people would love that we found frustrating so i think it's really important for people to understand and i think that's why jason prefaced it as saying we realize something about ourselves we don't like escape room games and the thing i'm going to say about this as well is the two of us played alone together i think this game more so than Scooby-Doo that we also played that was similar to this, more so relies or requires... Or a few extra set of eyes. Would, it, it would be more fun 
as more people. And I think I think I want to I just want to jump in because I want to clarify that before before you keep going because in Scooby Doo we had a few different booklets. However, the reading load was fairly even across all of them. We were able to divide the books. You know, we I had half, you had half, and the way that each scene played out, you were able to you know, you could handle one book, I could handle one book. And largely we were handling two or maybe max three characters at a time until the end. But even then, the game really told us where we were going, who we were going to be using. So we didn't have all this stuff in front of us. But when you look at Steph's ability, explain something that we definitely underutilize. She, her ability is essentially for anything that's there, like you're not quite sure, have her explain it, have her explain it, have her explain it. And that would have really benefited from one person having Steph's booklet and constantly like, working with everyone as they're trying to piece together the clues. And that's something that's just very difficult to do with two players when at the end of the game you have each four booklets because there's up to eight different characters. Yeah, so, I mean, I was reading I was reading Mikey. Um, so he has the most uh, and to lead Chunk. and to do. And then I also did uh, Chunk. Uh, so he also is the lead on, on his side of it. So it's, um, it's definitely... There's, it's definitely uneven, and I think it, at least, I think with, with even one more person, it would have been a little bit more manageable, but then that one person uh, would have had less, uh, you know, like, it's not, it's not very even from a character development perspective, so. No, but that does match the movie. It is the movie to a T. It's very thematic. Each character does what they would, you figured they would do based on the characters in the movie, and I really like that. It captures the theme perfectly. Whereas Scooby-Doo was in a new adventure, a Scooby-Doo episode that you're playing, this is Goonies with some tiny elements extrapolated and then having to solve things like puzzles to use, data's gadgets. So things like that for me, I just found frustrating. I just think it was a, a negative, the theme more so than a positive. So I think, uh, I think you get the general gist of what we have to say, but if you want more details, uh, we're going to go delve into it uh, a little bit deeper in our review, which will be coming out after this, uh, the, the day after, so you could check it out on YouTube. Um, uh, but there's one other thing I do, I do want to say, okay. because I don't want people to think that we just didn't enjoy the experience, because some of the puzzles were very interesting. They were cool. You did a good job figuring a lot of them out. I would have liked a little bit more clarity with regards to, to some of them, specifically Data's gadgets. I found to be just a little bit frustrating. Frustrating, as you said, we like stuff to move. I much would have rather just figured out this is where I can use Data's gadget and use it. But they really did a good job of adapting the story into an escape room game. The puzzles are thematic and everything fits well. So if you like an escape room game and you don't remember the Goonies the way I do, or you've got a bunch of friends that really want to play Goonies as an escape room, this is probably for you and you'll have a good time. So, on that note, I'm going to remind you to keep playing games. Hello everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we're back again recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. We have one game to talk about this week. What game is that, Anna-Marie? That game is Onitama, designed by Shinpei Sato and art by Mariusz Schmert and published by Arcane Wonders. Yeah, Onitama. Um, we just got this. This game came out in 2015. Yes. So it is seven years old at this point. And yeah, we heard about it for a long time. 
um, that it was great. Like not just heard about it, but like heard that it was fantastic. It was amazing. Yeah. Like one of the best two player games out there. And so we finally got it here around Christmas time. And uh, yeah, we decided to play it. I would say we got it at Christmas time. Actually, yeah, uh, at Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> I would say you it got it at tree. Christmas yeah, time. Right. So we got it, and we got one expansion for it called Sensei's Path. But we haven't played that yet. That's just additional cards, yes. as I believe. But yeah, Onitama, two-player game, and it's kind of a skirmish, uh, chess-style skirmish, I would call it, where you have five pieces each. You have a master and four students. So this is a Japanese um, martial arts kind of competition. So Onitama is a shrine where they would go to to prove their mastery of their um, well, there you go their their skills. And so whichever you know, yeah. basically whichever team wins has mastered the masters. And yeah, and they're, they're mastering stuff. all the different techniques, right, of uh, this particular martial art where there's like. Uh, monkey and there's crab and there's mantis and there's tiger and all these different moves you can do mm-hmm. so the way it works and the animal spirits whisper to the masters helping them yeah when they're in their game and the way it works is you're going to have you're going to you start on a what is this a five by five grid yep yeah five by five grid and you each start at one end uh with your master in the middle and two students beside you and the the pieces can move uh, all equally, it's just whatever card you're going to play. So it doesn't yeah. matter whether you're moving the master or one of your students. The way it's going to work is you're going to get dealt two cards each and one additional card onto the table. And that card is going to have either a red or blue flag on it. Yeah. And that's going to determine whose card that is to start the game. So if it was a red card and I was playing red, I would have my two cards plus that red card off to the side. And I would simply choose one card to play. Yeah, and all the cards have different um, different moves you can do. Yeah, so like the crab, for instance, I think you can move either left, right, or left and up, or right and up. And it kind of simulates the shape of a crab. And the, on the card, it's very nice and, and plainly shown. It'll show you um, in the color of the card. So if it was red, it would show red block, red block, red block, one up, to, one up front, two yep. to the side. And it'll show you where you can move, if there are any jump moves or anything like that. Yeah. So you know exactly where you're going. And it's face up, so it's not a secret from anybody. No. Everything is face up because the cards rotate. They do. So what'll happen is if I play that one card and I move my character uh, to whatever place on that particular move I can do, like the crab, then I would take that card, the crab card, and I would take it over to the left-hand side of my left-hand side, your right-hand side, flip it around so you can see it on your right. And I know that 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 move is coming into my hand after I make my next move. Yeah, because what I would do then is fill my empty spot now with that card that was reserved at the beginning of the game, whether it's the dragon or whatever is put to the side. And now I have the card I had, one of the two cards I had prior, plus that new one. And now you have... My basic Your two, two basic cards, and you know that the crab card is coming it, to you exactly. Next. So then I'll play, let's say the horse. I'll do the move for the horse. Then I'll take my horse card, put it to my left, yep. flip it around, so you know it's coming to you. And then, and you then take- I take the crab. Yeah. And so your hand is ever changing, um, depending on what your opponent has played. You know that's coming up for mm-hmm. you, and so it's um, it's nice because everybody knows what's happening, but it's still thinky. It's and very you thinky. Only ever have <laughs> these five cards. Per game. Yeah. And there's a big stack of cards, a whole bunch of different moves, but you're only playing with five cards in any given game. It's a lot game. of variability because you yeah. you shuffle them up and then you have five different cards and it's yeah. a different game it's really all the cool time. really cool that way. And in order to win, there's just two ways you can win. You can either eliminate 
the opponent's master. Yes. Or get your master across the board over onto their bridge. And I think it's called the stream or something. Is the There's, yeah, because that's the way of the stream. You win yeah. by, by getting there. Or the way of the stone is by, by defeating, by defeating the master. In the martial arts, yeah. Yes. And yeah, it's really cool. It's just It's super simple, but super thinky and very chess-like. But also, no, more duke-like. Yeah, we were actually saying like this is very um, similar to the Duke, which is one of our favorite two-player games. Like, yeah, it's so good. If you've listened to us at all, um, we I am not a good chess player. I don't have a good chess mind. <laughs> I, well, I can't. You think... beat me two out of three games of Onitama. So. Yeah, but that's what what I'm saying is that like if we were playing chess, you would beat me every time, like without well, question. I don't. I can't I just think... know it well. Yeah, and, and it's, I it's more involved than this. I don't. Yeah. I never played it as a kid, and I never. Um, I just don't. I can't think that far ahead that way. Yeah. But with the Duke, it was. It's another chess like game. But you're yeah, you're pulling tiles from a bag, and they're dual double sided tiles. So mm-hmm. you know I've got okay, I can do this, and I move that. But then I have to flip the tile over, and I have different options. And the tiles are actually on the board, like on his pieces. I know we're not mm-hmm. talking about the duke, but it was just very reminiscent of it. And so we were looking up, and the duke actually came first. So I can see yeah. how they borrowed a lot of stuff. Um, it's a very different game still, but a lot of similarities, similarities and I yeah. enjoy them both. Yeah, they're both very good, both very different, but both have a similar way of executing moves. Absolutely. Yeah, whereas the Duke, you're pulling tiles from a bag and you're physically using those tiles on the board as your piece and you're flipping them up and down and up and down and and changing your moveset. And this actually is is very cool. It's very thematic that way because you're actually moving them around, which in martial arts you are. You you can use whatever moves you want. Yep. And you're reacting and and moving and it's it's very fluid like that. It's very neat. I like it. I do like it a lot. It's Mm -hmm. it did definitely lived up to what everyone and it's was on saying. a nice neoprene mat. Yeah, it has a nice little <laughs> Which neoprene is nice. mat rolled into the box. The box is really nice. It's like it's a Jenga Jenga type box, so Jenga long and tall. Sized. Yeah, box, but I'm just yeah. meaning like it's long and tall. Yeah, but it it lays on its side and it rolls open. So oh, and it has a slot for all your yeah little slots for pieces every pieces and then every piece and the mat rolls up and sticks in there nicely. Yeah, it's and very the little cool. Deck of cards, really nice. Um, yeah, no, this game lived up to the hype. Absolutely. It's definitely one of the best two-player games I've played in a while. Um, and one that I will, you know, want to play pretty regularly. Oh, like, yeah. we play the Duke quite often. Yeah. Um, all things considered. I mean, we don't get... We play a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, but in, in general speak, we do play the Duke quite often. But I think this one will join the Duke yeah. in... Uh, I quite like it. Like the rotation of two-player games. This and Targi and the Duke and yeah, and so forth. But yeah, no... Uh, Onitama, really, really good from Arcane Wonders. Yeah. So we got to run. Uh, we will see you next week. Cheers. See ya. What's up, Internet? My name is Paparazzo Dave Chapman. I'm the lead reviewer for the Rathole.ca a co-host on The Legend of the Traveling Tardis, and I'm super excited to be back on What You Been Playing Wednesday. I recently had a great day of semi-nostalgic gaming, uh, starting the day off with Wiz War. I think we were playing the 8th edition from Fantasy Flight, but I wouldn't swear to that, because Wiz War was first released in 1983 by designer Tom Jolly, and there's even right now being a 9th edition being developed by Steve Jackson Games. Playing this game, I can completely understand 
why it has survived over the decades. It's a near-perfect blend of strategy and player-induced chaos as two to four wizards face off in what is probably best described as magical capture the flag on a table. Next, we played Vampire the Masquerade Rivals. This is a multiplayer, non-collectible, expandable card game, also known as a whatever trademarkable term any given company can use for this card game. <sighs> Anyways, way back in 1991, Vampire the Masquerade became the very first in a very successful line of role-playing games, collectively known as the World of Darkness. In 1994, Richard Garfield and Wizards of the Coast released what would then be the third ever collectible card game, Jihad, which was soon rebranded as Vampire the Eternal Struggle, also based in that world of darkness. I wasn't really a regular player of the game, but I do have a lot of fond memories of playing it, and a lot of really vivid memories of how annoyed local players were at how visually incompatible that rebrand kind of worked out. You have to remember, this was a time when opaque card sleeves just weren't really a thing. Now, not unlike Wiz War, the story of that game is really long and not really the point of this, beyond giving you some context. Last year, Renegade Game Studios took over as the publishing partner on the World Darkness products, which leads us into Vampire the Masquerade Rivals. Rivals is sort of a reimagining of the eternal struggle, and it's a ton of fun. Uh, players build their own individual decks, which are then enhanced through a battle-based deck building during gameplay. Again, the starter box and ex expansions aren't randomized, but there is still a decent amount of flex in there for players to develop their own flavor and strategies. I don't own any of this game, so I just chose a couple of characters and was basically handed a very generalized deck thrown together quickly by a friend. What I learned from that is that this game is great and I could play the heck out of it in the right circumstances. Borrowing cards wasn't the ideal circumstances. I still love this game. I still want to try playing it again, but I'd really rather have the time to properly tune my own deck. The last game we played was Martian Chess from Looney Labs. Uh, I recently had gotten my copy back from one of my writers over at therathole.ca who was doing this month's Looney Saturday review. Uh, so you can go over to our website, check that out. The current version is part of the Pyramid Quartet set of individually packaged games, or it is still included as part of the much larger Pyramid Arcade game box. Um, since we're talking a little bit about history, Martian Chess was one of the first Pyramid games released back in 1999 from the newly minted Looney Labs. And it hasn't really changed that much since then. Beyond some naming conventions, Martian Chess doesn't really have anything to do with traditional chess. The most important and the hardest thing to remember about this game is that you control every piece in your area of the board, regardless of where that piece started. As soon as you have moved a piece out of your area, it's no longer yours to control. Okay? Okay. The main goal is to capture as many of your opponent's pieces and empty your area of the player board to end the game. The game begins with each area having an equal number of pieces. There are three small pyramids called pawns that are each worth one point uh, when they're captured. 
and can only move one space diagonally. Three medium-sized pyramids called drones are worth two points and can move one or two spaces in a straight line, uh, vertically or horizontally. And three large pyramids called queens that are worth three points and can move as many spaces as they desire in a straight line in any direction. But remember, when you capture an opposing piece, it's removed and scored, but the capturing piece is now under the control of that other player. If I had to choose one style of game over all other styles to play forever and ever, I would probably choose abstract strategy games. So I want you to keep that in mind when I say that this might well be one of the best abstract strategy games I have ever played. The standalone box is super small, and because pyramids are designed to nest inside of each other, you could actually pack this game down even smaller if you needed to. The setup time is insignificant, the learning curve is super easy once you get past the part about which pieces are yours and which aren't. The playtime is reasonably quick, even for deep thinkers, but it's still challenging. The more I play this game, the more I absolutely love it. I think that's my time for this week. Um, the Rattle.ca primarily puts out written content, so our YouTube channel was never really more than a storage medium for us. But over the last while, we've been doing more video reviews, more live interviews, as well as our weekly miniature painting series, Sling Paint. So it's time we started promoting that channel more and would greatly appreciate some new subscribers. I won't even ask you to turn on the notifications unless you really want. Uh, since we don't have a marketable URL yet, you can find our YouTube channel and all of our social media at linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash therathole.ca. Thanks for listening, and until next time, good gaming, and goodbye. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. If you've got a gaming or game night question for me, send it to questions at tabletopbellhop.com, visit our webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop, or hit me up on social media where I can be found everywhere as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. Now, the question I'm answering today is, of course, what you've been playing this past week. Well, let me start by thanking everyone for the birthday wishes. For about three days straight, my DMs, messages, emails, and social media feeds were filled with well wishes, and that was very affirming to see. Thank you very much. Now, I normally would have hosted an all-night gaming event to celebrate making it around the sun again, but sadly, with COVID cases being worse than ever here in Ontario, that didn't happen again this year. Instead, it was just me and our immediate family. While it wasn't the game fest it usually is, I did get to play three great games with my family. Now, the big one was that I got my shiny new copy of Hero Quest, hot off the Hasbro press, Pulse presses to the table and got to introduce this classic game to my kids for the first time, and they absolutely adored it. I had no clue what they would think of this game and was very happy with how much they took to it. Heck, even the heroes lost and they were still willing to play again. As soon as the last party member fell, they wanted to give it another try. Now, even my wife, who played the original with me back when we were dating in the 90s, ended up enjoying it more than she thought she would. 
She was expecting all of her fond feelings for the game to be related to nostalgia, but found she was actually enjoying the mechanics and the gameplay as well. Now, of course, a big part of that was how much fun our kids were having. Now, at this point, we've only played the one game, just using the stuff in the core box, except for some of the gender-swapped heroes. We had an all-female party in this particular adventure, but stuck to the original four hero types. Now, I'm sure I'll do up a full review at some point. Our, our unboxing video is actually live now on YouTube. You can check that out, where I do share some thoughts on the component changes from the original edition. But for now, what I will say, this is HeroQuest with a new coat of paint. It's the same game it always was with all the good things that come along with that and some of the bad. This new version is almost a word for one word reprint of the original American version of the HeroQuest game, including the rule ambiguities that have been around since the late 80s. It even includes a recreation of the incorrect line of sight diagram that first showed up in the American printing of HeroQuest back in the day. What's odd is while they did clarify some things, they failed to include the rule fixes that were official and in the expansions, the, like the rules for sharing items and potions, are completely missing from this update. So I found that a little disappointing. While I knew not to expect a restoration games treatment here, I wasn't expecting an updated and revised modernized game, I did expect them to at least incorporate the existing rule updates that were published by Hasbro, or sorry, Milton Bradley and Games Workshop back in the day. Uh, the most bothersome part of this is the fact they did clarify some things. For example, they did a much better job explaining what happens when, to a hero's equipment when they die during an adventure, but then left in glaring errors from the original printing. I don't know, maybe they chose to leave in these errors so that you get the whole nostalgia of arguing at the tables about rules. Uh, that could be the case here. Now, overall, these problems are minor and something, honestly, only a real fan of the original is even going to notice. And as mentioned already, we had a great time playing, and that's all that matters. If you loved the original Hero Quest, I don't see any reason you wouldn't love this new version. And I'm so glad that a new generation of gamers is going to get to experience this classic game. Now, next up, I got to play one of my birthday gifts, which was Aqualin, which came from my wife. Now, the two of us love playing games together, usually comboed with some craft beer and charcuterie for date nights. So we are always on the lookout for good two-player games. Now, Aqualin is from Cosmos and is dead simple to learn. You've got Azul-like tiles showing undersea creatures. There are six different creatures, and there's six different colors, so 36 tiles total. Each turn, you can move exactly one creature on the board orthogonally in a straight line until it hits something else, and then place a tile. You go back and forth doing this until the board's full. Then one player scores points for connected creature types, the other scores points for collected colors. That's it. It's that easy to learn, but as usual with these good abstract games, it's not so easy to win. Now, the component quality here is great, and there's more depth than you would expect from such simple rules. This is one of those games that is going to be fantastic for bringing out to a coffee shop or bar once it's safe to poke our heads out again. Now, the final game I got played for my birthday weekend was one of my Christmas gifts that I've been looking forward to finally trying for a couple years now, and that is Underwater Cities from Rio Grande Games. Now, everyone keeps telling me this is the Terraforming Mars killer, and Terraforming Mars is one of my favorite and most played games of all time. And I'll say straight up, sorry, no, this does not kill Terraforming Mars. At least not for me. Honestly, I didn't even find the games all that similar. 
except for the embarrassing fact that both my wife and I tended to forget cards that were in play and kept having to say things like, oh, shoot, remember two turns ago when I built this city, I should have got a kelp. Uh, it's easy to forget what cards are in your tableau, which is a problem with both games. Now, I'm not saying the game's bad. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not even really trying to compare it to Terraforming Mars. This is quite the opposite. We actually both really enjoyed it. And if it wasn't getting late, would have played two games in a row. I just wasn't getting a lot of Terraforming Mars vibes off it, which isn't a problem. It just compared to what other reviewers have said. I was a little surprised. Now, one complaint we did both have with the game is that Rio Grande game still seems to be stuck in the 2000s as far as graphic design, component quality, and art. This game looks much older than it is, with components that are just a small step above wooden cubes and repetitive artwork that often varies only by color. Now, thankfully, the design features great iconography and is very functional, but I would never call this game pretty or say it has great table presence. Now, the gameplay does totally make up for that. Underwater Cities, so far at least, remember when we played once, is a very solid worker placement game with a very cool card mechanic tied to it. The action spots are in one of three colors, and every time you take an action, you play a card with it. If the card color matches the action color, you also get the ability on the card as well as the spot you want. We both really enjoyed this mechanic, which leads to some really cool decision points, like trying to decide between burning a pretty good card just to use an action you really want to take, or taking an action that may not be great or really help you, but it lets you play that perfect card. I really like that thought process. Overall, I am looking forward to discovering more about underwater cities and future plays. Well, that's it for the games I've been playing lately. I look forward to listening to what the other contributors have to share this week. And before I go, a reminder to visit TabletopBellhop.com. Join us on Wednesdays on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern, where we record the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, which you can find on your podcatcher of choice if you can't join us live. I also invite you to join us at 1 p.m. Sundays on YouTube for Brunch, an unscripted show, where the Bellhop team just talks geeky and gaming things. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzano, Tabletop Bellhop. Good day and game on. Hey there, everybody. This is Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, let's get straight to it. Let's go to the Facebook page where we have a thread, a What You've Been Playing Wednesday thread, and let's find out what the community has been playing. So uh, we start off with a regular hands. He's been playing. I'll give you one guess. Terraforming Mars. Uh, Obsession, nice. I got a copy of Obsession and I'll be talking about it in the upcoming review episode of Cardboard Conjecture. Um, carrying on, um, Armonia, uh, Trismegistus, Dragon's Breath, Fruticola, Red Cathedral, Cora, and Cascadia. Nice. There are a few titles in there that I have. Well, one of them, I've, or two of them I haven't heard of, the, the uh, Fruticola and Armonia. Um, I'll have to do some homework and check those out. Uh, but Red Cathedral, I am itching to play me some Red Cathedral or to go find a copy and pick it up, but I don't think it's out there or available. So, yeah, well, well done. Cascadia, one of my favorites from, uh, from this last year. Well done. 
Uh, Ryan has, let's see what Ryan's got going on here. Uh, Transformers deck building game, Animal, Animal Upon Animal, uh, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, 10, The Grim Forest, and Draftosaurus. Nice. That's a good lineup. Solid. Solid. Uh, I'm guessing that there's been some games played with his kids because Animal Upon Animal isn't really a, uh, a adult choice unless, unless it's a drinking game. But, you know, we don't endorse that. Uh, wait, you know, you can drink some coffee. That would be, oh, highly caffeinated animal upon animal. That would be a challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> okay, Zach, hooked on terraforming Mars again. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, yeah, I've, fantastic engine builder. Um, okay, moving on. Jason, no games this week. Uh, I should have a little sound effect here of a crowd going, oh, we've been spending time out ice fishing instead. Well, I definitely approve of that uh, choice because uh, there's nothing there's nothing better than going out and hanging out with nature. Well done. Lane, Blood Rage, Brew, Gloomhaven, Pierogi, Pierogi, Roll for Cabbage. Okay. Um, I'm not going anywhere with that one. Um, and to terraforming Ukrainian Christmas. Yes, of course they did. Well done. Um, that's a lot. And you know what? I think there was the uh, expansion to that, which was uh, a three-day-long nap on the couch, I think is the expansion for terraforming Ukraine Christmas. Ukrainian Christmas. Um, Tim uh, played the Silver Bayonet. Nice. I, uh, I'm guessing, I'm just, just throwing it out there, maybe a war game. Not sure. Skirmish game. Uh, carrying on, Garth. Mostly playing the new games I got for Christmas. Lost Ruins of Arnak. I, I'll be coming to that one. Uh, the Solo. Uh, yeah, I got to try that one out. Uh, and four player. Wow, that's a lot of players on that game. I'm curious to see uh, how, how, uh, what the time span is on that. Uh, Search for Planet X, solo and two-player. Railroad Inc., yellow, uh, four players. So wh that's cool. Yeah, that's a lot of great. Uh, Railroad Inc. is such a fun roll and write. Um, I encourage everybody to give it a try if they like that kind of game. Eli, Rolling Realms. That was, uh, was uh, Stonemeyer's. Um, uh, I think I call, I'm going to call it the... The Pandemic Brainstorm, where it is a roll and write with thematically connected to all of the games that they make. Uh, Space Hulk Death Angel, continued Edge of the Earth for Arkham Horror, Arkham Horror LCG, Dixit, and Custom Heroes. That is such a breadth of, a wide width of, uh, of titles there and styles of game. Cool. Rebecca played Sagrada and Shobu. I love Shobu. Yeah, I, I call it, uh, I call it uh, sumo wrestling uh, checkers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, and it's such a, as far as the abstract game goes, it has uh, such, I guess, uh, um, um, stay for me because it, it, you can either play fast or it can be a head-to-head -head battle of, uh, of attrition when it comes down to removing all those uh, uh, stones from the boards. 
Uh, moving on, Trevor. Tonight I am playing Sleeve Terraforming Mars. <laughs> I guess you're having chicken wings for snacks. Uh, Paul, unmatched. Super skill pinball. Rolling Realms. Burgle Brothers 2. Nice. I've not played a super skill pinball. And a lot of people say that uh, as far as... Because I come from the pinball generation. And... Uh, um, sorry, pinball machine. Upright entertainment. Um, uh, yeah, they say it's, a, it's really clever how it uh, mimics or simulates the dynamic play. Um, but uh, for me, the, I got to be able to like like tilt for some reason i got to be able to tilt that uh, rolling rate because if, if it's not then it, i it's I'm, I'm not properly playing pinball so cool well that's what the community had to uh had to offer up in regards to uh, the games that they've been recently playing well i'd like to take a moment to talk about the couple games that i've been playing recently and uh, i had the opportunity uh this this you know recently uh to play with uh, Chris from uh, Mozart Games, uh, we had uh, we we met online on Board Game Arena and played some Lost Ruins of Arnak, and that's designed by uh, uh, Elwin and uh, Min, and uh, published by Czech Games Edition. And I'm I'm going to read the little bumper in the beginning just to set up what it what's going on here. So on an inhabited island in uncharted seas, explorers have found traces of a great civilization. Now you will lead an expedition to explore the island, find lost artifacts, and face fearsome guardians, all on a quest to learn the island's secrets. This is an awesome game. It, it, uh, for me to, just, to uh, you know, summarize what's going on, uh, it, it's Indiana Jones, the worker placement card game. The worker placement card drafting game. Uh, and that was basically when this came out, there were two titles that came out in the same year with the same hype behind it and one was Dune Imperium and the other was Lost Ruins of Arnak and the hype behind it was um, now again I, I haven't done my homework but I'm just going to uh, repeat what what's been you know on the on the media waves that this is the first kind of of blending or hybrid of a draft a draft you know card drafting deck building game uh, and a worker placement and uh, so I don't know if there's anything previous to that, but that was their big claim for these two games. And they are so dynamically different in their approach to using this mechanism. Um, in the Lost Bruins of Arnak, um, I, I, I would say that it's a good balance of both because you, um, you always have your two workers and, uh, or your two um, uh, archaeologists. And how the game works is, like I said, it's a deck builder, but it's also kind of, I, they should call cascading a mechanism because this is one of those games that in the beginning, you start to get your engine going with your cards and how you you choose from your items and uh, the, the, the purple cards, I forget what they're called, I think they're the artifacts or something, but you have that essence of, of building your asymmetry to your archaeology team and then you have also the randomness of when you go to do uh, uh, in, in the up the mid-level and upper level archaeological digs there's a pile of of uh, of I would say locations that come out and the the bonuses or resources that are attributed to these uh, locations and uh, 
yeah, there's with that, there's such variability. And every time I play, this is one of those games where um, I don't mind. Uh, I have so much fun playing the game that I don't mind, uh, um, you know, not being first place. Because for me, it's basically uh, a challenge for myself to, did I see enough uh, opportunity on the board? Did I, um, uh, you know, execute a, a good plan? And uh, if so, great, I ended up with a great score. If, the, if my opponents did a better job, well, kudos to them. And what can I learn from how they interpreted the information on the board? So, uh, yeah, I enjoy every time I play this game, I enjoy it. Now, the, I think the Czech Games website has a solo uh, mode and campaign that you can play through. So I've yet to do that. I have to find the time to do that. But uh, yeah, that's one I want to get my uh, gonna get my brain wrapped around is uh, is how to solo this thing. And of course, this would be an awesome campaign because it is flush with theme. So uh, try this out on BGA and ha and enjoy. This is a great great title. Um, I'd like to move on to another title that I played just recently. And that is Under Falling Skies, designed by Jason Holt and Thomas Ullier, and published by, again, Czech Games Edition. Uh, Under Falling Skies, the easier, you know what? I want to do that, uh, that little description read. Aliens have arrived to conquer Earth. Enemy ships fill the skies. Humanity retreats to underground bunkers located below cities across the globe. Stand against the common threat. Fight the invaders city by city. Build a team from around the globe to save your planet and defeat the aliens. For people of my generation, this is Space Invaders, the dice rolling placement game. It is awesome. Uh, I, and again, the backstory of this, I, I believe, again, it was one of those pandemic-inspired uh, titles. Uh, I think we went straight to like a print and play and had such uh, attra had attracted such a a good following that obviously someone picked it up. And in this case, Czech Games picked it up. And uh, it is exactly the, the way I described it. It is Space Invaders, the dice rolling dice placement game. And how this works is you have five dice, you have five columns, you have a mothership at the top, you have uh, layers or, 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 you know, yeah, levels. Uh, as the uh, as in space invaders as they slowly progress down to the planet and as they're coming down this grid of five columns to how many rows up i'm i'm not even going to count several uh, not enough though sometimes because <laughs> i've lost um now uh the on the board itself on the grid that the space uh ships come down in there are um action event markers on the board themselves. Some of them are if the spaceship is in that area and you select a uh, fighting attack action and according to the, to the dice, you know, pip number and to the explosion number, you can destroy some spa uh, alien spaceships. Uh, some of them will have direction arrows that if it lands, it moves left or right. Some of them have the ability to move the mothership down one level. Now, how that works is there's a three-phase system where you roll your dice, you place your dice, you move the ships, 
You activate the rooms and you move the mothership. Now, yeah, that sounds simple. It's not that simple. <laughs> it's so not that simple. Um, there is, and it's good that it's a solo game because I have been caught in working the math out and with the pips moving. Now you put the dice in. Now, the moment you put that dice in, you have to move the ships down the same amount of the pipe, the pipe, the pip level on the dice. Um, so sometimes you might go, I need so many resources. I got to put this, you know, this six die value here. And then you realize, ooh, if I put that one there, then two alien ships will hit the planet. Now, when they hit the planet, that affects uh, a certain track, which is, I call it your, your, your life track. Uh, and you don't have, <laughs> you don't have that many, uh, um, uh, uh, let's say, life track levels. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a matter of determining the, everything's going to hurt. It's just what's going to hurt the least and what will allow you to sneak in a win. The cool thing about this game is you could play standalone and, and just pick whatever city and set it up properly. But there is, I'm working my way through a campaign and I am having so much fun. Uh, this game has generated, first of all, some cool nostalgia, but uh, it is such a fun puzzle to try and solve every go. Compelling. And uh, it says that it plays 20 to 40 minutes. And yeah, it's pretty accurate. So sometimes if you're in a rush, you can, you can push out a game in under that time, but you're not going to make you know, optimal decisions. And if you are, then we have found Bobby Fischer. So there you go. I got to play two fantastic games, Lost Ruins of Arnak and Under Falling Skies. And thank you so much because we are at that time where I appreciate the people that uh, take the time to listen, thank you, and the content creators that, uh, that every week participate in such a cool, 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 uh, big shiny tunes of cardboard uh, 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 joy. And, you know, the Canadian, the Canadian folks out there will know what I'm talking about when I say big shiny tunes. Uh, <laughs> I hope there's no licensing on that. Well, that being said... Keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?